0: Good evening, everybody. Go ahead and have a seat, please. Welcome to the mine. And I am so excited that you're here tonight. I really am. Uh, As I was looking at the chapter we're going to be studying tonight, once again, God just showed up. and, And I hope that that's true for all of our personal time when we study God's word alone, apart from this congregation and this setting, that God would speak to us through his Holy Spirit And that this would be more of just a gathering of affirmation, maybe, and an encouragement of what is already taking place in our lives. I know that in the life of a a church, I I planted a church back in the day. Uh, I've been in several pastoral positions, and I've just, I know enough about churches to know there are certain times when you look back over the year and you do a church summary of your past year that you highlight certain moments. And I gotta say that. Last Sunday with Brian Wurzel here, that was a moment at this church. If you were here, um, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was a moment. It, it was, uh, it, it's, it's, you can't replicate that. Um, and, you, and it was just, a, if, you, if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Brian came in and he was our former worship leader a few years ago. Came in and talked about worship, but did a very interactive, participatory type message. And so we, we worshiped as we learned and Just a fascinating Sunday. And and as I was sitting here in that service on Sunday, worshiping God, I looked up and and the stage was packed with people uh, and they just seemed to be enjoying themselves, were they not? They just seemed that they brought all of the worship guys out and gals and they just kind of had their thing. And and it was almost like we were sitting out there and, and, and we were just watching a group of people who just loved Jesus praise him. And it was infectious. It was, it was this moment where you just felt drawn in. And as I left that morning and as I was driving home, it dawned on me, do you know why those times happen? It's not because people up here are talented. It's not because people up here do things with excellence, though they do. It's because they are messengers of a message that most of us in the room have bought into. And it's that message that Jesus came and he died for you and he died for me because without him we are depraved and reckless and hopeless. And God sends his son to do something that most of us, probably all of us wouldn't do, which is to give up a child for somebody else. And we've all been the beneficiaries of that. And I think on Sunday morning, it was just our expressing to God, God, thank you so much for saving me. And I think for a lot of us guys, it wasn't just thank you for saving me from hell, but God, thank you for saving me from, from a destructive lifestyle. God, thank you for saving me from mismanaging my finances. God, thank you for saving me from a, a broken relationship with my children. God, thank you for saving me for for just the pride and egotism that's in my life. And so it's not just future thinking. God, thank you for saving me in the present. That when I wake up tomorrow, I can live out the gospel. And not only do I have a message to share, my life is better because I have you in it. And I think we were all on Sunday morning just kind of, just kind of embracing that thought. And I drove home and I thought, this is what we're talking about on Tuesday nights. See, the settings change. Workplace, at the mailbox, at the grocery store, at the, at the, 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 the luncheon. Settings change. The audience changes. But the message stays the same. And the message is what we're promoting because as we look in God's Word tonight, Paul's going to preach the same message that 2,100 years later you and I are preaching. He's got a different audience and and he's going to do it maybe just a little differently, but it's the same message. And I just wonder, you know, two things. One, if you miss Sunday, i got to come close to you tonight and say, Why? Why did you, would, was your making that beer-flavored cheese dip for your pretzel balls, was it that worth it to say, I got people coming over, God, you understand? Was it, was it I'm feeling okay, but not really okay? Now, I didn't jump out of bed, and so, you know, that's probably reason enough, God. Was it because Hey, they've got like 28 services over there. I'll hit one of them. And as the morning kind of drew on, you realize I'm running out of time. And now it's pregame. And, I mean, and and guys, I'm living it as well as you are. They say that the average Christian, the, the average like motivated Christian is at church twice a month. So if you're more than twice a month, you are, you're in thin air up here. I just wonder though, from when I, when I drove off campus last Sunday night, I thought, or Sunday morning, I thought, oh my gosh, God, thank you so much for, for whatever motivated me to come to church this morning. Thank you for that experience. Because, because they were up here just saying, God, you are worth praising for what you did. And when I go all the way back to Paul standing in front of whatever group he's standing in front of over the next several chapters here, he carries that same attitude. Different audience. God's using him in different ways that he might use you. But I hope we bring the message with the kind of emphasis that says to someone, I, I experienced this thing on Sunday morning that, that again, if, unless you're in the family it, just, it might even look weird outside the family, but it's so powerful. I want you to be a part of that. So I'll, I'll do whatever it takes is basically the way I want to approach tonight. Will, will you do whatever it takes, wherever God wants to move you or do something in you, will you do that for the sake of somebody that has never experienced a last Sunday morning moment to do that for the first time? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to accept change for the sake of somebody else experiencing what your heart felt like last Sunday morning, which was, I'm just bursting. My heart is so full of gratitude and joy right now, God, that I, I, just, I can't keep that to myself. That would be pride. That would be selfishness. If I just left here and thought, that was so good for me, When, guys, we have city upon city upon city that's dying out there. They need to hear the message. But the question tonight as we start is, are you willing to do whatever? Or, I get the message, God. I certainly want people here. But here's what we'll do. We'll come together, me and you, and we'll negotiate terms. How I'm going to do it, where I'm going to do it, when I'm going to do it, to whom I'm going to do it to. It's, it's usually one or the other. You show up and you say, God, you've transformed my life so much, I can't even begin to thank you wherever, whenever, however, to whomever I'm available. Or I've been doing this for a little while, God, this, this earth thing. And truth be told, it's been bumpy and rocky and whatnot, but you know what? I, I, it's not bad. It's, it's okay. Some of us have a little bit of, of money to, to, to show for it. Some of us have some pretty nice houses and God, if you're going to uproot me, if you're going to call me to some other place or do some other thing all for your sake, how about we do this? I'm all for that. Let's just get together and talk beforehand so we can figure this out together. And I'm going to say this to those of us that are in that camp. uh, Pay attention tonight. Um, maybe, Maybe go into this over the next several minutes here and ask God, God, maybe heart of hearts, that's where I'm at. Uh, and let the Holy Spirit maybe, maybe just massage us a little bit tonight. Okay? All right, Acts 13, here we go. I'm going to um, throw this up here. see if we can get the uh, screen up here. Um, just so we have an idea geographically of where we're talking about. Steve, I don't know if you got that. I don't know if this is plugged in. Somebody just clap or something if you see a map come up. Acts 13, and actually I want to start just a couple of chapters prior to that. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and then what happens in the book of Acts is, again, this is the Acts of primarily Paul and Peter. Paul gets saved in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, blinded by the light. He's blinded for a few days. Guy shows up and says, almost? It was there and now it kicked out? Come on now, come on now. Give a clap for technology. Peter shows up then. Our, our, uh, Ananias shows up and, and ministers to Paul. And then, and then there's a cut there. And then Luke reverts, the writer of Acts reverts back to Peter now. And so Peter's been in the past couple of chapters. And now we're back to, to Paul. So I just want to go back a couple of chapters to pick up. Because, that, because if, you, if you basically leave off on chapter 11, uh, verses, verse 30... And then all of chapter 12 is about Peter. Then you're going to pick it up back in chapter 13, verse 1. There's kind of a little break there. Um, I even want to go back further, actually, to chapter 9. And so if you have your Bibles, go back to chapter 9. And the reason I want to do this and the reason I started this way is because I don't think that if Paul could wave a wand, I don't think that he would have set it up the way he's setting it up. I think it's a radical transformation, and some of us don't have that. Some of us have stories of just kind of we became Christians as a kid or grew up in a Christian home and praise God for that. That's not Paul's story. God had to grab him um, by the eyeballs really and just kind of blind him to the fact that I am God and you're not and you're persecuting my people and I need you to stop. In fact, I need you to be my mouthpiece. And Paul is in a, he's not really in a state to debate that or even negotiate that. So God though, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, I believe based on Galatians that maybe right around verse 22 of chapter 9 or so is where God takes Paul away for a little while. Some people think maybe two or three years in Arabia so that he can just get away from everything. And then he re-enters the scene here in chapter 9 and He's, he's facing the Jews. Now, get this now, because Paul's, Paul's people groups here are about to disappear on him. Okay? He's, you know, we all have our, our men or women around us, we all have our, our people, and those one by one are going to start to disappear. He's got the Jews on his side, but when he becomes a Christian now, look what happens in verse 23 of chapter 9. When many days elapsed, the Jews plotted to do to, together, do away with him. Already now, when he becomes a believer, the Jews turn on him, obviously, to the point where they want to kill him. So he's lowered down in this big, large basket. And then he shows up in Jerusalem, and look at verse 29, or verse 26. He was trying to associate with the disciples, fellow believers now, hey, let's all sit around and sing Kumbaya, and they're not buying it. See, guys, you become a Christian and... You know the stink doesn't go away that easily, right? The, the, you know he was he was he was agreeing to put them in prison and even to the point of killing them. And that doesn't like that doesn't just go away just because he shows up with the Christian badge now and they're all like, oh well, you know, forgive and forget, and it's all good. You killed my aunt last week, you know. You murdered, you know. You you they 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 you uh, you stoned Stephen, and it's all good. No, they were afraid of him, rightly so. It takes a little while when we have pasts for the people that are, are in our new circle now. And once we tell them, hey, I got a past, for, for, you got to ease into that. And so they rejected him at first. They were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, verse 27, but Barnabas, Barnabas the encourager, Barnabas the, the wise one, Barnabas shows up and took hold of him brought him to the apostles basically he basically verse 27 if you ever want a verse on like this you know someone's got someone's back right here when no one has your back barnabas has your back took hold of him brought him to the apostles described to them had seen the lord on the road talked to him he basically barnabas barnabas goes to bat for paul here barnabas goes to bat and says no legit he's legit i know it may take a little while here but he's got what it takes here And then listen to this, but when the brethren learned of that, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Now again, most theologians think that, and it doesn't say it right here, so let me just kind of fill in the blanks here. Most theologians believe that he was in Tarsus for about six years. Uh, Roughly from about AD 37 to 43. So the church, listen to this, so he goes away and verse 31, the church enjoyed peace. (laughs) being built up, going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, continue to increase. Guess, the church continued to increase without who? Without Paul. See, guys, his circles now are shrinking. And again, we're back to this issue of are you willing to do anything? Are you willing to sit on the sidelines if God needs you to sit on the sidelines for for a period of time? Are you willing to to allow God to say, listen, you need some retooling, you need some refining, you need some educating, you need some, I need to keep chipping away at you, and I'm not going to put you in the spotlight quite yet. I have a plan, and this is the first step of the plan. I need you to go away for a little while. I mean, if I'm counting correctly, possibly eight to nine years we don't see Paul. And the church continues to grow. Here's lesson number one tonight, guys. God needs you like he needs a headache. God, you, you, it's a good thing I showed up tonight, right, God? No. <laughs> I'll use somebody else. I got plenty of people to choose from. Somebody told me the other day, and you could, I don't know, fact check this, I guess. Somebody said that people have estimated since in 2011 or so, there have been. Approximately 107 billion people that have ever lived, been born. 107 billion. The people that have birthed, give, you know, came out. God's got plenty of people to choose from, folks. You, you don't walk on water. You don't, you know. Uh, he says to Paul, you know, I'm going to blow this thing up. I, I, I'm going to get you to a point where Thousands of years from now, someone will say, who's the greatest Christian of all time? And most people in local churches will say, the Apostle Paul. Most people say that based on what he's done. And yet his beginning, guys, started with, go over here and be obscure. Get to know that word quite well. Okay? With that in mind, then, watch this in chapter 11. Because you got to think, and this has happened to many people in the Scriptures, not just Paul, but you got to think that Paul's got to beginning to think, hey, is this, what, is this my path? Maybe it is. Can I be content here, God? I've got a lot to offer. Huge, highly educated, lots of experience. Know my way around the Old Testament pretty well. Memorize quite a bit of it. Can teach the heck out of a passage, <laughs> if you need me to. But if you need me over here, then I'm okay over here. And then chapter 11, again, Barnabas shows up. Listen to this, verse 19 of chapter 11. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus the hand of the Lord was upon them, verse 21, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch, about a 300-mile trip. And when he had come and witnessed the grace of God he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For Barnabas was a good man and he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And then look at verse 25. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Now guys, be Barnabas here. Things are going well. People are coming to the Lord. The church is increasing why, Barnabas, are you going to give up some of the spotlight to go get Paul? Maybe it's because Barnabas knew his place. Do you know your place? Are you okay with your place? Guys, not everyone's a Paul. Some of us are Barnabas's. Some of us are Peters. Some of us are Mary's. Some of us are Esther's. Do you know who you are? Barnabas seemed to know that because he didn't blink an eye here. lives for Tarsus to go get Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Can you imagine that scene? Paul, I'm so glad I found you. I don't even know what Paul was doing at this point in Tarsus. But Barnabas goes and grabs him and says, I'm so glad I found you. you got to come over here to Antioch. And again, guys, maybe six years in Tarsus. Paul's probably getting used to living in Tarsus. And, 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 and God basically threw Barnabas says, go get Paul, and he goes and gets him. Are you ready for change? Barnabas says, Paul, you got to get over here to Antioch. Why, what's going on? Church is blowing up, man. And here's the deal. We need some people to get in front of these new believers and teach them a correct gospel. Lest any false teachers come in and stink up the place. And I don't know much about you, but I know you know how to preach. You know how to teach. So it came about, verse 26, that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, with that then, jump over to chapter 13. They're hanging out in Antioch, and now change is about to take place again. Now here they were in Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. And now Luke lists. It's almost like, like, a, like a, a solid team of teachers and preachers. You got Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Like, you, like if you were in Antioch at this time... There wasn't a Sabbath, there wasn't a time where you would get together and not hear quality teaching and preaching. Just solid effort here. And I got to think, because I've experienced this from time to time, isn't it fun when you get to be a part of a team where things are happening and it's growing and you're a part of it and things are moving? Don't you feel in that moment like I'm good, I'm settled? Like, buy me a house on a cul-de-sac and let me, you know, get let me go here, God. Let me just settle into this because this is happening. And I get the feel like at Antioch, that's what was happening here. And then verse 2. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. See, guys, sometimes I think that when we're in ministry and that could be at your house, it could be at your workplace, and things are going well, I think sometimes we think that's it. Like cut me, cut the tether here, God. Let me land here. I'm good. And guys, maybe tonight some of us need to just rethink that and think, things are going well here, God, comma, and if you need me somewhere else, here I am. Maybe God would choose to do that. Man, you're doing so well over here. I need you over here to help these people learn what you're doing over here. And again, guys, I'm either going to say yes to that. I got no problem with that, God. It's going to be kind of weird and scary and an adventure. But I'm in. You got my back, God. Things are going pretty well here, God. And you know what? Truth be told, I'm pretty comfortable right now. So I'll take a pass. You got 107 billion people, or you know, currently seven billion at least. Pick someone else. And guys, here's the, here, let me, without being blasphemous here. Um, don't put it past God to pass on you. Don't picture God as, no, really, come on, please. I really need you. I don't know how many times God will step up, you know, and, hey, I really do need you over here, but, it, you know, deny me once, deny me twice. You know, how many times before God says, that's cool, man, I'm over here now. He says to, the, he says to these five guys here, hey, set me apart two of them. Their leadership team just went down by two. And you got to think, some of these guys have to be thinking, God, we're doing so well here. It's like these church plants that keep popping up, even at Cornerstone, Right? Hey, we're planting a new church over in Scottsdale. We need some people over there. How many of us, honestly, just sat, we kind of like got settled in our purple chairs. (laughs) So glad you're doing stuff over in Scottsdale, God. You know, it's like, hey, we need people over there. Yeah, I need my purple chairs, what I need. I mean, let's just be honest, guys, right? I mean, Dave could come back out here and tell you, Santan doesn't look like this. Scottsdale doesn't look like this. They're cutting their teeth. I did it for three years. It's hard work. They're setting up. They're grinding every Sunday. They're grinding, and numbers are up. Numbers are down. They don't know. When I was church planning, and I church plan, I told you this. I think church plan right across the street here, over in Bogle, or in uh, Tarwater, we had a church in Tarwater. Um, I'd sit out there as the senior pastor. I'd sit out and watch the cars pull and count the number of cars. Like I was so stressed about, is anyone going to show up? We were a small church. (laughs) It's hard. And God may be saying to some of you tonight, I need you to go. And if you do go, that's the best decision you could make at this point in your life right now. God may be telling some of you tonight, I need you to go to Scottsdale campus. But guys, God may be telling some of you tonight, I need you to go to the East Coast. I need you to go to Kenya. I need you to go to Haiti. And, and, and I, I, what we don't see in, ver- in chapter 13 is we don't see a bunch of negotiating. Now, here's your argument, so let me beat you to it. Hey, listen, Greg, if God shows up and he says audibly, set me apart, Mike and Judy, and I need them to go to the East Coast, I'll go. Why wouldn't I go? But see, that's not the way it works now, does it, for most of us? It, it works a little different now. Greg, if I heard an audible voice, I'd go. But until I hear an audible voice, you know, uh, it's kind of subjective, isn't it? So let me ask you this tonight. We've got a couple runners here with mics. If, you, if you're new to the mine, we have mics out here. Just raise your hand if you want to ask a question or give a comment. In today's day and age, and let's just say that there is the option of God speaking to people still. So let's just, kind of, let's just admit that. God could still speak to you audibly, but I'll bet probably I could have the, on the count of two hands the number of people in this room who have heard God audibly. It's, it's just not common today. And, it, and let me just say this. It wasn't common back then either, so unless you think, well, you know, it's happening all the time. God wasn't just, like, yelling at people all the time. How does it happen today? Here's the question is, is, is how do you find out your assignment? We're talking, about, we're talking about God moving people. He moved. He wants to move Paul and Barnabas right here. And so his method here was, again, audibly. Holy Spirit says, set apart for me these two guys, and I'm going to send them somewhere. Okay, that's option A. But for most of us, we might be in option B over here. And the question is, how do you find out what your assignment is? What if there are some people in the room tonight that you're honest, you're, you're, you're the Isaiah right now. Here I am, Lord, send me. How do you know where to go and what to do? How do you do that practically? Give us some practical, because this, this doesn't help at all if we're just staying up here in theory and, you know, I just, I just, I wait, Greg. I wait for God to actually talk with me. Because, guys, a lot of people would say this. He already has talked to you. And now the question is just, are you going to obey him? Okay, all right, I get that. But, but practically, how do you know what your assignment is? I, I'm, I'm curious. I'll, I'll take. Give us all. Give us some helps. Give us some practical answers as to how that's going to go.
1: One thing is, um, that I like to think is, of course, when Paul, you know, you know, still going with the life of Paul, I don't want to go, go too far ahead, but uh, uh, he, was, uh, he, he was wanting to go to uh, Asia, but then uh, he, he received the Macedonian call. Or I, I think I may have missed it, but he, he, I mean, when he was he he wasn't looking uh, to go to to go to Macedonia or to go to you know to start the uh, uh, you know to 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 start the uh, Philippian church, but it was the thing that uh, he was he was willing to do so something he w- he knew he needed to to go somewhere. Okay. Uh, and you know when when we're being obedient to just to just the basic things uh, of the Word of God, when we're like okay, hey. Uh, you know, who needs to, you know, I, you know God, God may want me to go to the East Coast, but who here am I telling?
0: See, he- that, and, and guys, don't miss that point, because that's a fascinating point right there. Okay, because look at verse 2 of, ch- of chapter 13. Look at, chap- look at verse 2. Set me apart. Uh, I, I'm sorry, look at the first half. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said this. See, guys, some people are, are of the mindset of, I became a Christian and then my job as a Christian is just to stay put, don't move until God moves me. I just don't see that. I don't see that as practical. I don't even see how you would do that and I don't see it as biblical. They're ministering currently. They're in the middle of doing something. They're ministering and fasting at the church of Antioch and then God says, I need you here. So go here. Um, it's like, you know, you have a puppy or something and, and, and you ever catch it like in midstream when it's running you and you pick it up and it's still, legs are still moving. It's like that. Just keep, you just just run. God will pick you up and move you where he needs you, but keep running as opposed to I'm just going to sit and wait. And somehow we have this thinking that like, if I just sit here and do nothing, right? How many of you are fairly high up in your workplace? And if I were to look at your resume, it's because you've earned it. You could show me, hey, I can't be you know, this because I don't have any experience in that, but I can be this, why? Look at, look at what I've done. Well, how do you do all of that? Well, I just started doing it. And over the years, I think a lot of us can admit, and now I'm refining it. Where did it all start? I just dove in. I just started, I just started, in Paul's case, he just started preaching. He became a Christian and just started telling people about Jesus. And now God's got a plan, but he's going to say, Paul, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. I'm going to mold you and shape you, and then boom. Now I'm going to set you apart on some missionary journeys. See, we often read that, and we think Paul and God got together and negotiated, hey, what do you think my life should look like, God? Well, here's the deal, Paul. I hope you like water, because I'm going to send you on some journeys through some seas, and you're going to meet different people groups, and so you need to kind of... No, Paul's just out there doing ministry, and he's going to be available when God needs him to be available. So I agree wholeheartedly with that first point is just start doing. Guys, Frankie could come back up here and tell you like 50 places we could use you in this church. 50. Probably off the top of his head. Just start doing. What's another another thing? So I'm going to start doing, start ministering. What's another thing that we should be doing to find out what our assignment is? Not to be super hyper spiritual here, but what should you be doing? Praying, they were practicing the discipline of what, and when they and when they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Maybe some of us could do that, practice that. God, I, I'd, I'd love to. I just feel like I'm in a in a in a zone here, God. I feel like I'm just you know uh, you know so I'm just. I'm going to jump in, I'm going to start serving somewhere, maybe here at the mine, maybe somewhere else, and and I'm going to practice some spiritual disciplines. I'm going to be praying to you, God. I'm going to be fasting, I'm going to be worshiping, I'm going to be coming to church, I'm going to be tithing. See, guys, don't you think that God uses people who are active for him? Like, do you think that God really looks at someone who's faithfully active in his work and in his word, and and he passes on that person to go over here to someone that's not doing it, that's sitting on their tush, waiting to be used by God. And here's the reason. There's one more thing, but, but let me get to this. Here's the reason. Paul is going to Paul's going to do this over and over and over again. And if we have time, we'll get to, to verse 16 here. But look at verse 16. From 16 starting in verse 17 all the way through 41. Paul is going to preach. And he's going to preach well. And guys, there's one thing if you note about Paul, unlike Peter, who Peter just loves to talk. And sometimes, you know, he just talks for talking's sake. And he's very passionate about it. Paul is like a surgeon. Paul is like, he, he, he can wordsmith, and he can nuance, and he can, just, he can just get you with his words kind of a guy, and we're about to see that in verse 16, but what starts that conversation is his availability, and what I love it, and here's the cool thing, guys, here's, here's the cool thing about God. God uses your experiences. You're a lawyer and you've spent years getting through the bar and getting a practice going and whatnot. Why would you think that God wouldn't use that? Now, again, He can do whatever He wants, but wouldn't it make some sense for God to say to your heart, hey, go use your practices? And do some pro bono work for some people that need some help over here. Guess who can't do pro bono work? Me. I can watch 20 episodes of LA Order or whatever it is, Law and Order. I can't, I can't do that. I, 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 Greg, I, I busted it for eight years going through med school. I feel like God is just, you know, I got this practice going. I feel like God's just, you know, Guess who can't go overseas and and give shots to kids? Me. See, Paul grew up in this pharisaical, I'm going to learn the Old Testament, and guess what God's going to do now with his experience? Things that you and I probably could never do. See, guys, don't discount your, your secular experiences, if you will because God will grab a hold of them if you're av- available for change, and he's gonna use them in some unbelievable ways that the rest of us just can't do. I'm an educator, and, and you know, so I, you know, God, what do you wanna do with me? I don't know, maybe God could use you in, in the inner city. Maybe God could use you overseas to teach. But those credentials don't go away just because you become a Christian. So, so start thinking that way. I'm a plumber, God, I, I, can, I can plumb the heck out of a building. I can fit any pipes together you want. I can put a square pipe in a round hole, or vice versa. I can do it, God, great. Now are you available? Because somewhere somebody needs to hear the message of God but maybe the message of God is gonna come through you being in their company or their house or overseas doing plumbing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an athlete, God. Guys, there are, there are ad nauseum, there are ministries for athletes who want to share the gospel with people. And the way you get in is by holding a tournament, by holding a, a, you know, whatever your sport is. Now I'm playing with athletes that get it. And now I'm going to share the gospel. This Paul's, Paul's sport, if you will, was education. So you don't think that God's going to put him in front of some very smart people? Why? Because I couldn't do it. That's how, God, that's how God loves to move us around. But what, what, what happens is I think sometimes we get, God, I've got this practice, and I can't leave the practice. I've built this thing up, God. God, I've got tenure here. I can't leave my job. I've built this thing up. That's the danger. That's the danger of us using our skill sets is now I'm comfortable, now I'm in, now I, and I'm even actually getting paid to do it. And God's going to say, set me apart. This person and this person go, and I need you over here, and we're gonna fight that. Some of us will fight it. Some of us are gonna say, "I have no idea, God, what Pittsburgh's all about, but I'll go if you want me to go." And and let's just, again, I have no idea what Queen, Queen Creek's all about, God, but if you want me at the Santan campus, I'll go. If if you want me to lead the children's ministry at the Scottsdale campus, God, I'll go. I don't like going to Scottsdale, but I'll go. Availability. Here's the, here's the kicker, though, guys. Change doesn't come without a price. Change comes with a price. Watch this. Set out by the Holy Spirit. Again, let me just bring the map up just so we're familiar. Uh, I'll get to that. I want to talk a little bit about God's will. Oh, this final thing was this. Um, Proverbs t- four, uh, 12, 15. The way, of, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to counsel. We see that all throughout the Proverbs. How do I know what God's assignment for me is? I pray, I pray about it. Certainly follow his lead wherever he's leading, wherever that's yeah, subjective, kind of wherever he's leading. I don't, I don't think we do this often enough. I seek wise counsel. Proverbs is full of this, guys. Seek wise counsel. If God's not speaking to you audibly, and again, he doesn't do that too often now, then how do I know God if you really want me in Pittsburgh? Seek wise counsel. Get around godly men and women who have no no value, who have no interest by way of they're going to gain something out of your decision and let them just speak into you. Now here's the kicker when you do that though. What's your responsibility? To actually submit to whatever they're saying. See, it doesn't make any sense if you say, hey, Earl, hey, Mike, I'm going to sit down. I need some wise counselor. I think that God's kind of calling me to Pittsburgh. And you say, well, why is he doing that, Greg? What do you think? You know, and, I, well, here's the situation. Here's the scenario. And here's the financial obligations. And here's what my family thinks. And, and then they say, you know what? Based on what we've heard here, again, we're not prophets or anything, but based on what we've heard, um, we, yeah, we think you should go. Okay, thanks. And I don't, I don't go. See, guys, if you're going to put yourself at the feet of wise counsel, take to heart what wise, that God would use wise counsel to talk to you. It's, it's one piece. It's not the only piece. I'm not saying it's the only piece, but it is a piece. So if you go in thinking, I'm going to discount, I'm going to do what I want to do, I just, if they agree with me, now I've got it, right? Sometimes we do that, don't we? Hey, I need to talk to you guys. Listen, God, I think, wants me to move to Pittsburgh, you know, and And, you know, I really don't want to go. Well, we think you should. Okay, well, you know, and I was just looking for them to agree that you shouldn't go. That's not seeking wise counsel. That's just trying to get some people on your side. Seek godly men and women who, again, aren't going to gain or lose anything by you going or staying. Listen to what they have to say, okay? Pray, seek wise counsel, and then practice the disciplines by way of just being obedient to God and be involved in what you're doing. Let God use you. He does it all the time. People all the time are being led by the Spirit of God. It's a fascinating journey to be on. As Paul does this, watch what happens. He encounters someone right off the bat. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues to the Jews. Verse 5. They had also had John as their helper. That's key. So Paul and Barnabas go, and look who shows up with them. John Mark. You know who John Mark is by any chance? For time's sake here. John Mark wrote the Gospel of... Mark, okay. And he wasn't one of the original twelve. Most people think that he got the Gospel of Mark out from Peter. Peter was one of the original twelve. And most people think that John Mark kind of just, just kind of took Peter's story to Peter's like experience and wrote the Gospel of Mark. Anyway, he shows up with Paul and with Barnabas on this trip. That's gonna be key here in just a moment. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a certain magician. A uh, false prophet, Jewish Paul's prophet, whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now again, Bar-Jesus just means the son of, uh, it's the son of Jesus. Some people think it's the son of Joshua. It's just a, a formal name for this guy. And, and Paul's going to actually use it to his advantage in a moment. Who was with the pro-council, which is basically this governor that was appointed by the Roman Senate named Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul. See, again, why does this man summon Barnabas and Saul? Because, guys, this man is of power, and, and God said, I know who can speak on this guy's level. Guess who? Paul can. Paul can. And this is what he says. But Elmus the magician, same guy here. For thus his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. But Saul said, who was known as Paul, by the way, this is when his name changes here. I believe this is accurate. The last time he's called Saul is right here. Probably because now his ministry is to the Gentiles, and this was his Roman name, Paul, and so God wants to now refer to him as Paul filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze upon this magician and said this, you, are full, you who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil. See the play on words there? See, this is how smart Paul is. This guy's name is Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You false prophet, you're actually the son of the devil. And I could just see him kind of elbowing Barnabas right there. Like, did you catch that one? Like, it's pretty did you get that? Because I think it's brilliant. Just accuses the guy, but he uses his own name to do it. Way to go, Paul! You enemy of all unright of all unrighteous, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind, and you will not see the sun for a time. It's again. You see, Paul like elbow and bars. I've been there. I've done this, man. This guy is gonna hate this. Watch this. You're gonna be blind here. Boop. Sure enough. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell. I love that. God added like effects. Immediately a mist and a darkness fell on him. Like always. Like the fog up here on Sunday mornings. And he blinded him. And he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. It's like, Bargees, what happened to you? You don't want to know, man. Sky shows up. Just called me out. I had you all fooled. Call me out. Then he, then he tells me I'm going to be blind for a season here several days, and, and here I am. I can't I can't see anything. It's misty in here, too. Like, it's just kind of, it's, he's just hating it. Then the proconsul, this guy, Sergius Paulus, believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed. Now, listen to this. Now, watch this, guys. What was he amazed at? Wasn't amazed at the miracle. Note that. I'm not going to be impressed by your skill set, by your awesome vertical leap if you're an athlete, by your awesome plumbing abilities, by how well you can teach a lesson. I am amazed at the teaching of the Lord is what he was amazed at. The, The miracle just gets the door open, just opens people's eyes. But he's amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Okay, so here's, here's one of the changes. If you're going to be available for change, here's, the, here's kind of a point here you need to accept, is are you willing to get into people's faces for the gospel? See, guys, we are in a day and age of this. We're tightrope walking the gospel right now. Don't, don't offend. Don't judge. Don't offend. Don't judge. Don't offend. Don't judge. Come to church and all we'll tell you is you're a good person and go for it. We'll show a Nike sign up there. Just do it. And then we're going to leave. And don't offend, don't judge. And don't offend, don't judge. And Paul looks at this guy and he says, you are full of deceit and fraud. You are a son of the devil. Why do you make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And because of that, you're not going to see for a little while. Do you hear anything in Paul's message here that would give you any hint that he was being gracious or kind or... Here's some cookies. You know, what do we do? Like when we share the gospel with people, sometimes, guys, I just think that we live in this world now where Christians, like the, the world has their, their, their foot upon the neck of Christians and they're just strangleholding us with words like, you're judgmental, you hypocrites, you can't say that to me anymore. That's not what I see Paul doing here. Uh, I, I just point this out, I don't know if they, okay good, um, you see this, uh, again, whatever, uh, let's see if it comes back up, Th- these people are atheists, so, so what, right, I mean, um, listen, uh, Miss Lawson says I was brought up an atheist and have always remained so, but at no time I was led to believe that morality was unimportant, um, Howard Stern's an atheist, sickened by all religions, uh, this guy's an atheist, uh, and they go on, Catherine Hepburn, I'm an atheist and that's it. Um, Kathy Griffin she's a militant atheist (laughs) like I'm not only an atheist I'm a militant atheist meaning this meaning if you're an agnostic which is like I don't care if there's a God or not a God you're basically an atheist you're just a weak atheist she's like oh no man I like I go to the rallies kind of a thing She's an atheist. She, she does not like when people talk about the Bible or Christians. Woody Allen, uh, to you, I'm an atheist. To God, I'm the loyal opposition. He thinks that's funny. See, so guys, Philippians says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, that's going to be an interesting conversation between Woody and God. Antonio Banderas, he's an agnostic. Uh, Guy Pierce, he's an atheist. Bjork, she's an atheist. Um, Amber Heard, Again, all these people, they have come out and basically said, Jack Black, he said, I'm kind of an atheist. I, what you, I don't even know what that means. Um, Nicholson, he doesn't believe in God, but he can still work up an envy for someone who has faith. So he appreciates, you know, if you have faith, but he doesn't want you pushing it. Now, listen to this. This is Lance Armstrong, by the way. Well, all right, anyway. Lance says this If there was indeed a God at the end of my days, I hope he didn't say, but you were never a Christian. So you're going the other way from heaven. If so, I was going to reply, you know what? You're right. That's fine. Guys, Lance has lived his life, we can all admit, I think, the past 10, 15 years. He's like the epitome of pride, right? He's the the poster child of pride. He just got into a car accident, what, December? Like wrecked his car, blamed his girlfriend. She took the fall for him. He, he He just doesn't get it, even to the point where he says, listen, if you're, if you're telling me that the, I have to go to hell because I wasn't a Christian, then I'm, I'm fine with that, fine. He would, he's saying, I will look the God of all creation in the face and say, that's fine. And guys, it doesn't work like that. But maybe the last thing Lance Armstrong needs is for someone to say, hey, here's some cookies, really hope, you know, just you're a good person and you, know, you just need to do a little better because Jesus loves you no matter what, Lance. And maybe he needs some people, some men and women, to step into this guy's life and say, you need to, you, you are in sin right now, my friend. And you need to repent right now. Because there is a God who's going to judge you one day, and it's not looking good for you at all. Now again, that's not all of us. Some of us are the Barnabases. And that's cool. But guys, some of you are Pauls. Have you accepted that role? He says then, listen to this, and I want to get to this because this is the, the final point here and make tonight, and, and that is this is, is and, and kind of cliche here, but change is change. Meaning this, now Paul and his companions set out to sea from Paphos to Perga in Pamphylia, and look at verse 13. Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. See, guys, change is rocky. Change says, I can't figure it all out. Change says, I'm available, God, but it may not go the way I want it to. John, Mark, Paul, and Barnabas set off as this happy little band of believers going to share the gospel with the world. We're going to kill the world for Jesus and just share the gospel. And after a short mini tour here, John says, John Mark says, I'm out. You're with Barnabas and Paul. Like, guys, honestly, it doesn't get too much better than that. And John Mark says, I'm gone. And there have been a lot of speculation about why that is. But look at this. Just go over to to, uh, chapter 15 real quick. Chapter 15, because lest you think it was amicable, like, you know, I'm loving what I'm doing here, guys right? But I think God is just calling me back to Jerusalem. <laughs> I love when those things happen. Rather than be honest with each other, we use that, right? I think, I think God's just calling me somewhere else. Why don't you just be honest? Hey, listen, we're having a change of leadership right here. Paul is now taking center stage. Barnabas, you were the center. Paul's now taking the center. And I don't like the way he's doing it. Could have been a reason. Hey guys, I didn't think it would be this rough out here. I'm homesick. I miss my mom. I'm out. Could have been his reason. Hey, guys, I listen, this whole ministering to the Gentile thing now, and it seems like that's going to be the trend moving forward here, and I don't know how long this journey is going to last. It ain't for me. I'm out. But sometimes, guys, again, rather than offend or hurt, we say things like, man, what you guys are doing is awesome. Like God be with you, right? God bless. I just think God's calling me over here again. <laughs> when we're, we're, just, we're just beating around the bush here. Guys, the minute we can be honest with each other as Christians, man, we're, that's, a health, that's a healthy as long as we do it right. As long as we don't do it in a way that's going to be of malice and gossip and, and full of deceit. But if we can do conflict right, then, guys, we will step off of the sidelines and say, God, I can anticipate conflict. If you change me, if you move me, if you send me somewhere else, I can anticipate it's going to be conflictual. Somebody's not going to like it. And as long as I can handle that right with a brother or sister in Christ, we deal with the conflict right, then I'm okay with that. I'll go. It's the idea that, you know what, God, you send me over here, and I, I, there's not going to be any change. Like, everything's, everyone's going to love what I'm doing. Jesus said to anticipate suffering. And here we have it. Look at chapter uh, 15, verse uh, 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, let's return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. I love that. Hey, let's go back to every city we just visited and do a checkup. Like, Paul's just like, he's all over the change factor. And again, you know, maybe not married, doesn't have a family. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, you You can size this up however you want. Well, good for him. That's not me. I just love his passion. Hey, Barnabas, let's go back. Let's do kind of a, let's go back and just see how things are going, man. Every city. And Barnabas was desirous of taking John called Mark along. Barnabas is like, dude, that is, let's do it. I'm, let me go get John Mark. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement. Now, guys, something happened in chapter 13 where it says, and John Mark left them that caused Paul and Barnabas in chapter 15 when, when Barnabas said let me go get John Mark again because you know let him come with us Paul there's something inside of Paul where he, he like almost threw up over that to where he says to Barnabas over my dead body it ain't gonna happen I, I just I can't wait to get to heaven man. I'm gonna pull all three of them together and just be like okay what happened seriously guys what happened man you know, said, yeah, you know, they'll laugh about it probably. I don't know. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Maybe they haven't dealt with it yet. John Mark, what happened? Man? Why'd you leave? Why did you leave? God had got this journey that God was on with Paul and Barnabas. You were inside. You were inside the ropes, John Mark. You had, you, you had their, your, their attention. You were their guy. You were their helper there. What happened, man? Why'd you leave? And, and here's my second question. John Mark, did you regret it? I don't know. I I don't know. But 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 Barnabas, son of encouragement, loved this guy, man. He's like, no, let's listen, listen, man. He's a kid. He blew it. So what? He screwed up. Let's go second chances. And Paul, guys, drew the line and said, he ain't coming. And Barnabas then draws the line and says, he's coming. This is awesome because I don't know how it turns out, right? I don't know. What do you do now? What do you do? What do you do when you've drawn the line and another Christian has drawn the line? Just hold hands and pray about it, man. All right, let's do that. And then he's still not coming. <laughs> right? I mean, did you ever do that? Like, you know, we could skip the prayer thing because I'm, I'm, I'm not changing. He ain't coming. He ain't coming. We had him, we, had, we needed him, and he left us. Barnabas, give me one reason why you don't think that's gonna happen again. And Barnabas is like, I, Paul, I probably can't. I can't give any reasons, but I just, I don't know. He's, he, needs, he, needs, he needs encouragement. Let's take him along. That they separated from one another And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren by the grace of the Lord. Um, That's tough. Breaks my heart that they couldn't reconcile. Here's here's how good God is, right? God says, okay, um, I will make good out of bad. Now I've got two missionary journeys going on. You guys get into a fight with each other? Fine, I'll use you over here and you use over here. I, I don't think it was ideal. I think the ideal thing would have been like, hey, let's, let's talk this thing out. Like, tell, help me. Like, this is not conflict resolution 101, biblically. This is two guys that can't find a solution. And so the best solution is we're off, we're off the team together. And you got to think based on their first missionary journey together, you got to think that there were nights where Paul was sitting on a boat and Barnabas is sitting on another boat and as the waves are rocking back and forth they're thinking I miss my buddy I wish Paul were here I wish Barnabas were here I don't have his skill set I can't encourage people like he does I can't teach like he does was it really worth it change is going to happen guys with conflict And my question as we wrap up tonight is, are you available for change like Paul was? And I want to get to his message to this group next week. But am I available for change? And if I am available, am I going to go for it with the idea that conflict's going to come? And when it comes, I'm not going to bow out. Because, guys, the slightest amount of conflict says basically our message to God is, I've got terms on how I'll go. And when the conflict comes, God, I'm bailing. And God's saying, well, okay, I get it, I guess, but, but name me a situation where I can put you in where there's not going to be conflict. That, that's weak sauce. Man, I want to use you in some great ways, but there are some mountains you've got to climb. And then when you get to the top, you're going to look back and you're going to see why I brought you through all that and you'll glorify me, and, 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 and you'll come like you did on Sunday morning, and you'll praise me in ways that are just full of honesty and, and purity because you were available, and I took you up on your availability. I wonder if, if that's us tonight. I think it is, I hope it is. Um, maybe you need to go home and talk to your spouse tonight. Are we, are we available, honey? i don't know are we it's a great starting point maybe you go and talk to your kids tonight hey kids are are you okay with us like doing anything for jesus what do you mean mom i don't know (laughs) i don't know i just want to know if you're available and if you use the word like adventure and cool they'll, they'll be in Let's see what God chooses to do. We'll, we'll pick it up next week. Father, thank you for tonight. God, thanks for this group. And, and, and my heart tells me, God, that they are available. Certainly available to come on Tuesday nights and chew on the word together. I pray, Father, that you would use Paul and Barnabas and even John Mark's journey and their, their availability, the way that you changed their whole lives. And they were available to do that. And we're gonna see over the next few weeks, God, how... Big of a change it was. Life changing. I wonder if, if, if we could do that tonight. I wonder if we could go back in our cars, back to work, back to our homes, and just look around and see how, um, how finite these things are. In comparison, maybe God, to, to uh, an adventure that would bring countless souls to you. And God, maybe that is happening. Maybe some of us in the room are, are you know, I'm, I'm a banker and I'm watching ministry happen all around me. Praise God. Praise God. For those of us, God, that are, that are maybe restless. Um, God, for those of us that, 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 that need to pray about this, maybe we need to fast, maybe we need to seek wise counsel. The Holy Spirit, don't let us out of that, that uh, tension until we've dealt with it. And at the end of the day, if we're still here a year from now, we're still here a year from now. Heaven is going to be just one big place of storytelling. I pray that I have a story to tell. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Hey, come back too. Lynn's going to be here. Wow. Not next Tuesday. A couple weeks. See ya.